Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, parents, welcome to uh, what's been the probably the best week of summer. Kids, would you agree? Campers, would you agree? Yeah! I couldn't hear you. Do you agree? It's like an echo under the tent. That's crazy. Okay. As Jen said at the very beginning, uh, moms and dads, I just want to, I want to echo what she said that, uh, that thank you. Thank you for entrusting your sons and daughters to us. And by us, I don't really mean me because I really wasn't on the team, but uh, I really mean Jen and Dina and Joey and Emily and uh, the whole staff, the directors, everyone who put this together, and uh, I'm, if I can be so bold on behalf of Father Larry and Father Scott, can I do that? Can I do that? Okay. Uh, just to thank you, to thank you for entrusting this amazing uh, group of people to, uh, to, to walk with your sons and daughters in this, uh, this week here at Camp Celebrate. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my, my name is Father Patrick Schultz. I'm one of the sons of St. Mary Hudson. I was ordained in 2016. I currently serve as a parochial vicar down at Sacred Heart in Wadsworth. And uh, I'm here because I've had a part in this organization for many, many, many years. I, uh, for a long time, was part of the directorial staff. And, and just, you know, despite getting ordained, you just keep coming back. And it's just, an, it's just a joy to, uh, to, to be here. And I, I got to give a talk earlier this week on uh, Thursday, celebrated Mass Thursday, and uh, just overjoyed and very grateful that Father Scott and Father Larry invited me to uh, celebrate Mass here for the closing. So Camp Celebrate's an amazing thing. It is an amazing gift. It's an amazing gift. What we've seen happen over the last 25 years of camp is we've seen tens of thousands, literally tens of thousands of young people discover this faith that was just given to them because of their baptism, this faith that they were in many ways forced to engage in. This faith suddenly becomes alive, right? That this this two-dimensional book turns into this three-dimensional pop-up book. They discover that this is a faith worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. 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 And discover that this is a faith that's actually incredible and worth celebrating. That young people discover that Jesus is a real person. He's not just a fact of history. He's not just someone who's locked in history. He's someone who is a real fact of the present, right? That Jesus is a person with a name and a face and a heart that's beating for us. And his desire, more than anything, is that he would see us come to the abundant life. Right? That's his desire. John 10.10. 10. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That he's not interested in us having a boring, mediocre life. He's not at all interested in that. There are plenty of boring Catholics in the world. Amen? Amen. Catholicism is not boring, though. The faith, Catholicism is unbelievable. It is not boring. But there's a lot of boring Catholics. And we're trying to rectify that here at Camp Celebrate. Sin is what makes us boring. Sinners are boring. The saints are the, the, the technicolor vibrant ones. The people who've really changed the world, who've changed history, are the saints. The saints are the ones who are so different. Sin is what makes us boring. Sin is what makes us the same. So this whole week, moms and dads, this whole week, we've been looking at, campers, help me out, we've been looking at Luke chapter five. Luke chapter 5, where Jesus, he commandeers Simon's boat. He says, put out into the deep. Lower your nets for the catch. We've been talking about this invitation from Jesus to put out into the deep. Everyone say deep. Deep. Say deep. Deep. That was pretty good, moms and dads. I can see you. I see you. Good job. 
Just do the parents. Say deep. Deep. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> this week, Cole was eager. He was eager. He wanted it. All right. So this whole week, we've been looking at Jesus' invitation to put out into the deep to lower his nets for the catch. And this is an interesting passage, right? Because what Simon had to do by Jesus' invitation, he had to push away from the shallows, to push away from the shallow waters to go where things were kind of scary because fishermen in the ancient world, they didn't fish in the deep. Their boats, they, they, they kept their boats near the shallows. This is an interesting thing I learned when I went to the Holy Land this past February that the fishermen around Galilee, because, I mean, they didn't have fish finders in the ancient world. So how do you know where the fish are? Well, the fish are where you see them. So you either have a partner on shore or someone climbing up on the mast to look down to see where the fish are. You stay and fish in the shallows. You don't fish in the deep. And so now Jesus is inviting Simon to push out into the deep. And I guess the question that I want us to look at this afternoon is what in the world would motivate? What in the world would motivate someone to push away from the shallows of life? To push yourself out into the deep, to let go of control, to let go of the, to let, to surrender the known for the unknown, right? We all can see that this is a metaphor for life, right? Let go of the known, let go of the the control and push out into an area that's just unfamiliar and mysterious where the adventure is, right? Another way I might ask this is looking at that first reading that we had from St. Paul to the Corinthians, where Paul is relating the things that he's been through. Did you catch all that? Yes? Hello? Are you alive? Did you hear? All right, I'm just going to reiterate some of these things that St. Paul said. This was crazy. This is St. Paul. Listen, he's going on telling, to the, telling the Corinthians all of these things he's suffered. Imprisonments, beatings, numerous brushes with death, five times at the hands of the Jews. I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. I passed a night and a day on the deep, on frequent journeys, and dangerous from rivers, dangerous from robbers, dangerous from my own race, dangerous from Gentiles, dangerous in the city, dangerous in the wilderness, dangerous at sea, dangerous among false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, through hunger and thirst, through frequent fasting, through cold and exposure. Like, that's crazy. Can we all agree that's crazy? Yes or yes? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. St. Paul, like, here's the question. What would motivate him to be willing to suffer that? This is my question. What would be, what would motivate him to be willing to undergo all of that? Because he had an amazing life when he was Saul of Tarsus. It was a very comfortable, very predictable, very ordinary, but very safe life. He had this up and coming career. He was being trained by one of the most prestigious rabbis at the time. He was going to be one of the best and most notable rabbis in the temple. He was going to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was going to have an amazing and influential and impactful life. Probably going to be married. Probably going to have kids. That was going to be his life. If we just translating it into our language today, put it, think of it this way, especially you teens. Think of it this way. He was in all of the AP classes and he was crushing it. He got fives on all of his AP tests. He was doing well in all of his sports. He had a great group of friends. He was holding down a job. He was making some good money, and, and he was just all in all a good kid. St. Paul, he was a good kid. He, was, he had in front of him a future that was going to be good and normal and safe and comfortable. But here he is now, 
writing a letter to this church in Corinth. He's on the other side of the Roman Empire, having suffered all of those things. And the question is, what happened? What happened to move him from the shallows of comfort, from the shallows of familiarity, from the shallows of what he knew, to the absurd depths of all these things that he was willing to suffer? What accounts for that? Because I don't know if you know this, nobody in the ancient world did what Paul did before Paul did it. There was no missionaries of Zeus going around the Roman Empire telling people the gospel of Zeus. Nobody did this. Nobody did this. What happened? We know what happened. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He met Jesus. What we heard in the gospel is what happened to Paul. He found the treasure. Right? Jesus puts it this way in the gospel. He says, the kingdom of, like, the kingdom of heaven is like the pearl of great price that a merchant finds and then sells everything he has to obtain the pearl. Or it's like a treasure buried in the field that you go and sell everything that you have to buy the field to get the treasure. Paul discovered something of absolute value that he found in Jesus a good that relativized every other good in his life. Nothing else compared to this. Nothing else compared to this person that in Jesus he discovered a love that knew him from this ancient depth. He discovered a, a heart that bled and beat for him, a heart that knew everything about Saul. Saul who persecuted the church, who dragged Christians out of their homes by their hair, murdering them by the thousands. And he was chosen and he was loved. He discovered in Jesus a love that knew him in his brokenness, that knew him in his sinfulness and still chose him. He met the person. Friends, if you get nothing else of what I'm saying tonight, what I, what, this afternoon, what I'm shouting at you in a sense, get this, right? That meeting the person of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. Jesus is the kind of good that relativizes every other good. You know, I was reading recently the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John. John's my guy. He's a mystic. He's so deep. Deep. John is deep. And John, John was one of the apostles who lived to the latest. He, he wasn't martyred like the other apostles because he didn't abandon Jesus. So I picture John late in his life. He's in his 90s, let's say. He's on the island of Patmos. And the Holy Spirit comes to John and says, ah, I want you to write a gospel. And he's like, what about the, the first three? Those are pretty good. Like those, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're good. He's like, no, no, I want you, I want you to tell the story. And so John starts thinking, how, how am I going to tell this story? He's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just start where it began for me. So if you look at the beginning of the Gospel of John, he says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist now speaking. And he looked at Jesus and as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples, John and Andrew, heard him say this. And they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. That's John, right, telling his story. At the end of John's gospel, at the end of John's gospel, I don't know why I put this down, I still need it. Okay, at the end of John's gospel, he says this, okay? This is the disciple who is bearing witness to these things and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. Now listen, listen. But there are also many other things which Jesus did, 
Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The whole... Try and think how many books there are in the world. Just picture. How many books are in your house, moms and dads? A lot. Okay, now all the books in the world... John's saying not all the books in the world couldn't contain what Jesus said and did. Father Scott, can you hold this microphone for a second? Okay, this right here, this, this is the whole Gospel of John. That's a heck of an editing job right there. Like, he really pared it down, right? Okay, so all the books in the world couldn't contain what he contained. And yet, this is what I want you to notice, and yet he includes this detail. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I would have loved some other things, like... What did Satan look like when you invaded Hell's Fortress? Um, was your mom happy to see you after the resurrection? Like, I, like anything. Like, give me any other detail. He's like, no, no. Four o'clock in the afternoon. That's really important. Get that down. The question is why? Why include that? Because before, before four o'clock in the afternoon, his life was one way. And afterwards, his life was totally different. That's why. His life was one way, and afterwards it was totally different because when you meet the person that changes your life, you remember those kinds of details. Spouses, maybe it's a little fuzzy, maybe it's crystal clear, but do you remember where you were when you met your spouse? Do you remember crazy, weird details? Because when you meet the person who changes your life, maybe some of you are in trouble right now thinking, oh gosh, Father, you should have brought that up. I don't know, I think it was 1995. I don't know. Here's my point. This camp, this place, this week has been four o'clock for many of your kids. It's been four o'clock for thousands of kids for the past 25 years. This place has been the marker that has split their life in two. My life was one way, and then I met him, and my life is a different way. That's what this place is. That's what this camp has done. Not because there's something so impressive about this camp. All that we do, all that we've ever done, is we create a space for Jesus to do what he's always trying to do, which is to break into our lives and to reveal himself for for us to see and discover that his love is unbelievable and present. And he's what my heart has always been looking for. What we've been trying to hold out to them this week is that the treasure that your hearts are looking for, the treasure that our hearts were made for, is Jesus. Like this way of Christianity, this way of discipleship, it is the thing that we are made for. It's the thing that brings us the abundant life. That's what we've been holding out to them this week. And here's my question, moms and dads. Where is your family's treasure? That's the treasure we've been proposing, that it's Jesus. It's the faith. Does that map onto your family's treasure? I want you to think about this. What is your family treasure? What is your family prioritize and value above all? Because whatever that thing is, that's what you're teaching your sons and daughters to put, that's where you're teaching your sons and daughters to put their hearts. This week, you gave them to Camp Celebrate to orient them to Jesus. And we've said, the treasure is Jesus. Will they go home and find a consistent message in you as mom and dad? Maybe this is a gut check to look at your priorities. Like, have we gotten askew on where we're putting our treasure? 
What are we focusing on as a family? Have we lost sight of the treasure? Because this is what Jesus is entrusting to you, to orient them to the treasure, which is not in this world. This is not our home. We're just passing through. Jesus is inviting us into the depths. So this is what I'm going to propose for you on, on campers and parents for everyone going home. I'm going to land this plane. First, it's this. Moms and dads, we know that you're so excited to see your kids again. We know that you've uh, missed them. And I'm sure you have a million, billion questions, but please know this. And it's really good for you to know this, that your kids are really tired. <laughs> and they probably smell very bad. That's the first thing. And tiredness plus excited, eager questioning doesn't always mix well. So maybe the questions in the van on the way home, maybe they might just wait until after a really good night's sleep. That might be the first thing to consider. And I wanted to challenge you, moms and dads, don't just simply ask, so how was camp? Like, what was your favorite thing about camp? Those are fine questions, and I'm sure they'll tell you. Ask them this to tell you about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus. And parents, please have the patience and the kindness and the curiosity to listen because Jesus did some incredible things for them this week. And campers, listen, I'm talking to you right now. Eyes up here. You have to share the stories. This whole week, we've been talking about being sent out on mission. That putting out into the deep means sometimes having conversations that make me make you uncomfortable. Sharing from your hearts is sometimes hard. But Jesus is inviting you to witness to your own families. Because look, if you don't tell people what, ha- what Jesus did to you this week, no one will ever know. And that grace just dies with you. But if you let it go out of you, And into your family, if you share it with them, it will multiply. That's what he promises. That's what he promises. So listen, you have to have a little courage to share the stories. You have to have a little courage to share what Jesus did. The master calls us out into the deep to do hard things, to lower the nets. That was hard, to lower them all the way down and to haul them all the way up. But this is what he's asking you, putting out into the deep. And the mission, campers, listen, the mission starts as soon as you leave. You're not waiting until you become a counselor before you become a staff member. The mission starts as soon as you leave. So let's ask the Blessed Mother for her intercession for 25 amazing years of camp. She has anointed this. And for 25 more, let's give thanks and praise to God through Mary's heart and her intercession as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.